0: Welcome to another episode of Gen Z's Digital Decalogue. I'm Shivani, your host, and today we're going to be joined by two amazing people. This is Aiden Helfand and Binaya Shivakumar, and they're both co-chairs of the Youth Leadership Council here at Lookup. So Aiden, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Shivani. Um, So my name is Aiden, and I am
1: a current senior at Woodside High School in the Bay Area, California. Um, and I have been involved with Look Up for two years ever since the first Youth for Youth Summit in 2020 when I was a panelist on our teen advocacy panel. Um, and so I first got involved with, from my work with Diversify Our Narrative, which is a student-led anti-racist organization that basically uses social media, As the medium to promote an anti racist narrative and promote educational reform. Um, And since then, I have worked with all of our amazing youth advocates on the Youth Leadership Council and helped us prepare for our annual summits where we organize advocates from all over the world um, into various panels that can really help us reform our digital world. So yeah, all right, I'm gonna pass it on to my excellent co-chair, Ms. Vinaya.
2: Thanks Aiden and thanks Shivani. Um, My name is Vinaya and I am a current junior at Ursuline Academy. Um, With Aiden, I serve as the co-chair of this year's Youth Leadership Council. Um, Last year I served as the vice chair um, as a baby sophomore. Um, And I've been with Lookup since, I think sophomore year, I got involved as a panelist on the um, Youth for Youth Summit, um, speaking about mental health. And then I became an intern with them, serving as a web developer and community community engagement intern. Um, so that was uh, my first experience in the realm of tech for good and really finding my superpower with coding. Um, and then I also was a founding member of Lookup India, which was a great experience. Um, being the youngest on the team, I definitely learned a lot about being an entrepreneur and the whole setting up a nonprofit. Um, so all my roots, you know, come back to Lookup. And since then I've worked with the Digital Wellness Institute. I've worked with Fair Play. I've worked with a few of Lookup startups, um, particularly from Dartmouth and Stanford. Um, and, We, I mean, another big focus point for me has been Heads Up, which is um, an organization focused on bringing youth together in high schools and combating digital addiction. So that's definitely um, a fun little hobby for me. Um, So, yeah, that's an introduction about me.
0: Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I mean, you guys are extremely accomplished individuals, and I'm just glad to be here and talking to you guys about you know, a healthier digital world. All right, Aiden, do you wanna start us off with a little bit of a look at some current events?
1: Yeah, so I thought it'd be great if we, you know, brought up a little thought experiment. Um, So you guys may or may have not seen, but U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, just to preface, I do not share her beliefs, but recently her account was removed from Twitter. Um, And I think it brings up a really interesting idea about censorship and whether or not, you know, that should be allowed in our society, especially if we're putting so much reliance on social media as a tool to kind of like, you know, diffuse information to the masses.
0: Right. I kind of want to start off by saying one thing, and it's kind of why I'm trying not to burst into laughter right now. It's because Marjorie Taylor Greene went to my high school. Oh, you're kidding. (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. I'm literally not kidding. If you look it up right now, I don't know if it's okay that I'm telling the whole internet that or the whole world that I kind of go to a specific high school, but it's fine. I I went to South Forsyth High School, or I do go to South Forsyth High School. I'm a senior. And if you look up Marjorie Taylor Greene right now and you look at where she was educated, She was educated at my high school. So I just want to preface this conversation with the demographics of my neighborhood have changed drastically since Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, I guess, was a resident there. So I do have, we do not claim her. We do not claim her at all. She, I, I do not claim her, at least. I don't know. I, I live in a small town in Georgia. So some people might claim her. I, I don't know those kind of people.
1: Wait, I'm sorry. Do
0: you live in Cumming, Georgia? I do live in Cumming, Georgia. <laughs> an unfortunate name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, was, yeah. I thought we were keeping it professional, bro. I was like laughing. I was trying not to laugh. but Okay, let's just go there, I guess. I was
0: trying not to laugh too, but oh my God, I just can't help feel the irony of that. But yeah. thank you so much for your question, Aiden. Um, would you like to give us a little bit more context on the specific event?
1: Oh, absolutely. So um, she was basically taken off of the platform uh because of her claims relating to the COVID 19 pandemic uh she tweeted uh that it is quote not dangerous for people aged under 65 who are not obese um and i mean i think this kind of just connects back to our whole you know issue with you know whether social media spreads misinformation versus disinformation misinformation you know being you know unintentional uh kind of like sin of omission like for some reason the information can't be fully trusted um but with disinformation being you know kind of like malicious uh misinformation of other people for you know some sort of personal political gain etc um so yeah
0: right yeah i mean i have a lot of thoughts this actually i mean i remember reading an article and it was like marjorie taylor green slammed for saying that they were proud of the work they did on january 6th and that was a very alarming statement and i think um there's two things that i sort of want to relate this to and one is sort of the algorithmic makeup of a lot of these platforms and then two the censorship component of it and so i'm going to kind of breeze through a little bit of how facebook's newsfeed algorithm works just kind of as a background um a lot of social media algorithms work in similar ways, like Twitter. Um, But I'm most familiar with Facebook's model. So I'm just going to kind of breeze through that real quick. So essentially, in early 2018, the company revised its new speed algorithm to encourage what were called meaningful social interactions, or MSIs. And so this new structure had a bunch of unintended consequences. And it essentially boosted more emotionally charged posts and it didn't take long for political figures and influencers to identify this pattern and increasingly post sensationalist content and a little bit about how it like generically works is you know the algorithm first there's not a singular algorithm first of all it's a series of processes that is dubbed the algorithm which is a very fancy title um but kind of a misnomer so first, really, the algorithm examines the inventory, and then it gathers signals to categorize content based on the account that posted it, how the user interacted with it, um, and whether the post is a video or a link or a photo. And so once this, these signals are gathered, based on predictions from these signals, a specific score is assigned to the post, and then it's arranged from highest score to lowest score on your feed. That's just a very simple sort of representation of how the algorithm generically works. And what these meaningful social interactions or MSI algorithms did was they really pushed that need for sensationalism. And that sort of fueled polarization. It fueled extremist thoughts. And it really, it unintentionally did that really. It was was supposed to bring people and their families and friends together, but it really didn't end up doing that. And that sort of brings me to censorship. And so, you know, people are I don't know. With censorship, I, I'm very wary of censorship. I don't like the word. Um, I think that when you think of censorship, you think of some individual, some authority, some person in an authoritative position having control on what is considered to be censored and what is not considered to be censored, right? Who decides what's appropriate to post? Who decides if something is healthy? Who decides if something is hate, is hate speech? Um, you know, what if, you know, specific you know, one thing that Facebook has been known for doing in particular is discriminating against specific political viewpoints. And so if they get to decide who is being more sensationalist Then they control the political narrative somehow. So when I think of censorship, I, I think the, a better sort of solution would be more contingencies on user etiquette. But then again, same thing, cycles back to who decides. And the question of who decides is just a very scary question.
1: Well, and in addition to kind of, like, who decides, like, what kind of, like, makes them a credible source? I mean, every time someone says censorship, I just always think back to, you know, sophomore year English, when we're reading 1984, you know, we're talking about Big Brother and kind of, like, double speak. And it's really terrifying when you see kind of, like, Orwell stuff, like, coming into real life. Um, and, Ovanaya, are you going to say something?
2: sorry when you said 1984 um although i did just read that book my sophomore year to just kind of like be like oh my god i read 1984 i was traveling um over i don't know where i was traveling to but i just looked around me for a second and i said wow we're getting really close to that kind of dystopian society where random people come on the television and tell us what to do and while that's not bad entirely there are people who are there for our safety It's also kind of like what Shivani said, I want to emphasize that who gets to decide what we believe in and is it really safe? Is it very credible? So I just kind of want to put a big exclamation on that and just say like, you know, it's really scary stuff when you think about censorship because it makes you question your own belief. That's not bad, but it's also like, where are my opinions getting formed and who are forming it? So I thought that was interesting that you brought up that particular novel and just, you know, the pure coincidence of how I just looked around me and said, wow, we're getting really, really close to that society.
1: Yeah, well, and going back to Shivani's points about kind of like Facebook, well, now meta, but Facebook's algorithm about, you know, really sensationalist material. If you're looking to social media to be almost the source of credible information, like you're looking on there to like see what's going on with current events and stuff. It's kind of scary to think that, you know, if information isn't kind of like packed with emotion that you might not see it and vice versa. If you have some issues that are like, you know, really have like a high emotional kind of like quality that those are going to be the ones getting the most face time. And also, I mean, some people can be very impassioned about their opinions, which can kind of lead to radicalization. And so I think what might be a result of kind of this algorithm is that people's opinions are going to be more radicalized, and we're going to increasingly have less overlap in our ideologies with one another to the point where we may not be able to even communicate, Um, which is really terrifying, because if we're young adults right now, and this is just kind of a habitualized, you know, pattern as we interact with social media, we're gonna be adults and we're gonna be, you know, kind of running the world and we're not gonna know how to communicate.
2: I actually have a question to ask you guys kind of bouncing off of Aiden's question. So um, during my time at Look Up India, I was sent a game called terms and conditions I believe and it was basically the game was trying to show you how many times you click accept for terms and conditions and the ways that it's like presented that sounds I like I sucked at it I absolutely sucked at it I think I was last on the national international leaderboard like I'm so bad at it but it makes me wonder what are we actually accepting like I just see it and I'm like, what is this? I just want to accept it. and I want it to go away. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel there's fine print everywhere. But, mm-hmm. you know, as youth, given our small, given my small attention span, I'm not. <laughs> that. So, you know, what do you what do you guys think about terms and conditions in general?
0: I mean, I can be one to say that I've never in my entire life read a single word of any terms and conditions. I have okay to even when I opened up a bank account, I did not read the terms and conditions. Ooh. <laughs> it's okay. It was it was Charles Schwab. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're pretty they're pretty up there, right? I mean, yeah. I read reviews. Yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think that's I, so. I've actually one time I like tried reading through it, and I just like my brain turned to mush after a few seconds. But do you guys remember that whole kind of like scandal about how TikTok was like storing its users information and how that was possibly like a privacy invasion and how it might have been a national security threat based upon like where they were storing user information. Um, And it's interesting because I remember having a conversation with my dad and he's like, I don't know how you could use it. Like. You know, people are speculating that it could be a foreign, uh, like national security threat. And I'm just like, it's, people literally refer to it as a dancing app. Um, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, I'm not saying that my, my dad is wrong for being concerned. If anything, I almost think that I was a little too nonchalant. Like, I feel like social media is just one of the most desensitized dangers. In you know our lives, especially especially if we think about you know just social media technology in general as being almost like an addiction, like digital addiction. It's a real thing, and I have to say, out of all of like the addictions, especially when you compare it to like substance abuse, it's very um, prevalent, but people rarely focus on it. And you can still you know have lots of terrible consequences especially when it comes to your mental health because you're using social media um and so i i feel like we as you know digital advocates and as youth who use social media ourselves we almost have a a responsibility to kind of draw attention to the fact that you know maybe this is a danger that people aren't you know worried about enough like do you guys have any like kind
0: of thoughts on that um yeah actually i just wanted to say one thing about um data collection that you mentioned and um i kind of think it's interesting because the way the algorithm works kind of one of the reasons why we are so glad to have it is that or i guess a big benefit of it is the fact that it's personalized to us right um so because it's personalized to us the way the whole ranking system works is to sort of see if content is relevant to us and so to do that, they kind of collect data on us. And you know, we all viewed it as a big plus when we were getting to see whatever we wanted. But when that sort of also had a negative impact of, hey, what about my personal life? What about my privacy? And so that became another problem that I I feel like our generation doesn't see as as big of a problem as other generations. I mean, for honestly for me, like I was like, okay, well, I don't want my Instagram is personalized. I don't really really care too much. And it's I don't know if that's a bad thing but it's definitely i'm definitely nonchalant about it like you say
1: well and i feel like there's like kind of almost like another extreme like where our parents kind of like idealize that whole like you know thoreau's walden pond like you're just kind of like out there in nature and it's just <laughs> you um and they see us as kind of like these crazy people that are totally fine if like anyone knows our information and i mean Going back to what you were saying, Shivani, when you have everything that's kind of like tailored to you and personalized, it must kind of feel special because you're like, oh, they they know so much about me, and they're trying to like make my experience more enjoyable. Right. Like, that's fantastic. Thank you.
2: Um, character vibes. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But
1: then, I mean, I'm sure that there's just going to be some, you know, kind of scandal that happens like you know and with definitely within our lifetimes but probably even within the near future where you know this information could kind of be manipulated um especially if you know there were ever to be like a campaign for like you know mass disinformation um not to you know give any psychos some like um you know inspiration you know they can Pin this podcast with our Pinterest you know,
2: Plans for taking over the world, or the Tri-state area, whichever you prefer. Um, but anyways, going back to the terms and conditions, I was just thinking, and I just wanted to get your opinion as well. It's like, social media giants can't say that it, they didn't give the information. It's just how they give it just makes no one want to read it. So I think it's kind of interesting how it's kind of like they're saving themselves, but they're not actually benefiting society. They're actually worsening it. So I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. I think that there's definitely a need for like greater degree of involvement of like ethics when it comes to kind of like data collection and just technology in general. Because, you know, as you know, social media users, we're really using this as a tool. We're not trying to like see how the tool could be almost using us. So, I mean, I, it almost feels like there's a degree of, like, one-sided trust, you know, of the individual in the company that they have our best interests at mind and in exchange they get, you know, our, like, usership or our service.
0: Yeah, I think trust is really a big key word here, um, whether that be in social media or in digital wellness in itself. And I think when all of us are sort of engaging on social media, we also come across user-sourced information that may not be necessarily true. And that sort of brings us to the misinformation, disinformation crisis. And do you guys have any specific thoughts on that?
2: So yesterday I was in, this is perfect timing, in conversation with um, the District district 3 Um, Ohio State of Education president. And so she has many years of experience. And so she she actually focused a lot on misinformation and how she's working to lessen that in our district. I thought it was really interesting what she said, because she said, if you follow what you believe in and you know what you believe in, then nothing is going to really change that. I think that's really difficult because we were introduced to technology before we could really form our own opinions and really understand what's happening. So it's kind of like what algorithm are you on? Like that's what you kind of believe in. It's not really and the amount of polarization is also really a huge contributing factor into how misinformation plays out and you know how media plays out things. I personally feel like you're going to get misinformed because like regardless, it's just to what degree are you getting misinformed? Like if I saw a post on Instagram on someone's story and I tried searching it up on Google, it would still show me, it's still an algorithm, right? Google is still an algorithm. It depends on what region you're in. It depends on, you know, what your previous search history is. And so I think just being mindful that every time you see something, it could be a lie is just the best way to combat it. Like there I feel like the amount of integration there is in our personal life our opinions with technology is just so hard not to be. And I mean Aiden, go ahead and add on to this and what you think, but I this is what I personally feel like just always remember that it could be a lie and just keep moving on.
1: Yeah, well, I mean I think that the term that you were kind of just like giving all of this excellent, you know, points about is really kind of echo chambers. Um, And you were talking about kind of like how this can be affected by like your environment, by your region. And there was actually a New York Times article that found that the history textbooks, they were the exact same textbook, um, same creator, same edition, everything. But they were different in California and in Texas. And, you know, they were the same for the most part. But then all of a sudden when they were covering topics like the civil rights movement you know just some of the verbiage was different and that kind of just slight change affected kind of the portrayal of the movement um and so i think that can be applied to a certain extent to social media i'd say that you know when you have everything that's being tailored to your own beliefs you can have a lot of information that just kind of you know, solidifies your opinions um, and doesn't really challenge them. And so, what that's, you know, you mentioned it was causing polarization. I think, I definitely think that in the future, there's going to be a reckoning for our generation when all of a sudden we have two, you know, very almost extreme sides of, you know, political thought, social thought, et cetera, that are going to either have to compromise to see the other's beliefs in order for us to get, you know, anything done when we're the ones that are running the government, et cetera. Um, or nothing's going to happen and it's just going to be, you know, a war where no, no ideas are really ever getting across and you're just kind of like, you know, meeting anger at all sides. Um, what you were saying with the whole, you know, make sure you maintain, you know, you're wary of all the information that you uh, consume, and kind of like to maintain a, a, you know, that little needling thought that this might not be true. It's difficult. What I try to do is I try to almost look for information from you know both sides of whatever issue I'm on. I mean, I was taught to do that by my dad. He's He loves playing the devil's advocate, which can sometimes be hard to, you know, separate. You know, this isn't his belief. He's just trying to get me to be a more rational um, thinker. But I think that that's a really great exercise that people should try to employ. Um, And it can be sometimes difficult, especially if, you know, the the topic at hand is really near and dear to your heart. Um. Yeah. So, for example, actually, um, you guys have probably heard about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So I'm a Jewish American. I mean, I've been to Israel, but I've tried to hold off on like kind of forming a position until I had, you know, absorbed all media from both sides Um, And it's really interesting because a lot of people, you know, especially over the summer of 2020, started taking to Instagram as a platform to share their beliefs and to spread information. And I think that there is definitely a necessary, you know, denotation that should be made between misinformation and disinformation. So misinformation, you know, you're just, there's, some issue with it. It's not fully true. Maybe it's like sin of omission or something. Disinformation has, you know, almost a malicious intent. Like you're intentionally trying to uh, mislead people. Um and so when you have like a post or something that everyone's like reposting on their stories, um it really kind of gets out there very quickly. And I saw my friend's we were reposting lots of really kind of scary stuff, um, especially when it came to talking about Jewish Americans. Um, And all of a sudden I was like, I had no idea that my friends had these beliefs. I almost started to feel, you know, like our friendship had been shaken because I was wondering if they even like, you know, respected that part of my identity. And so... I definitely appreciate that, you know, in the case of an emergency, in the case of, you know, a humanitarian crisis, which is what the conflict is, going back to Israeli-Palestinian conflict, um, that we are able to get such information out, but it's also really hurtful when you see stuff that's being spread, even, especially when it's being spread about you, um, and people don't really take the time to learn about the issue, and they just kind of spread, um, you know, what's just kind of like superficial. So you really want people to be educated consumers of information. You want them to be really thoughtful. Um, and that's something that you can't really enforce when you're on such such a platform like Instagram.
2: Just to kind of jump in there. um. I really like what you said about misinformation and disinformation. I think I've never looked at it that way, and I'm also really sorry that, that that those things happened to you. That's really heartbreaking, and it's unfortunate that people are only empathetic when they're the ones that are affected, or it's their community that's affected. And so, I mean, I'm really sorry that happened. Um, I just kind of want to jump in and kind of talk about the polarization, which you kind of mentioned about earlier, with the pandemic. At its heights again, uh, kind of entering our third wave, unfortunately, there's a lot of opinions about it. And it's not that opinions are bad, it's just that it's become that Democrats are the liberals and Republicans are the conservatives. And it's kind of interesting to see that because that's actually not facts. There are a lot of Republicans who believe in masks and vaccines, and there are a lot of Democrats that don't. And so I, you know, it's important to understand that there's no difference, you know, for example, a republican pothole and a democratic pothole. It's a pothole that if your car goes in it your tire is going to get hurt. And so it's kind of the same way with the pandemic. Like there's no polarization. There's there's it doesn't need to be polarized. It's an issue that affects everyone. If if you're affected, you're going to get affected regardless of your political party it's not gonna and and so I feel like social media and misinformation has been so so detrimental to that I remember at the beginning of the pandemic especially in India um through whatsapps like uh or, or I don't know how people pronounce it stuff spreads like wildfire my grandparents had me drinking turmeric milk because they were like, you don't, you won't get COVID if you drink turmeric milk because of something they they just got a message of. So stuff like that is just when we're talking about misinformation. It's also important to understand that just being empathetic on social media and just acknowledging that it might not affect you. It affects everyone and just being a social, like a responsible social citizen. I just wanted to throw that in there.
0: Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here today, speaking with us and really gracing our podcast. We hope you guys will do it again. Hint, hint, wink, wink. But in all seriousness, I really enjoyed the kind of discussions that we had today. And I really, really hope that our viewers gain something out of that. Manaya um, and Aiden, do you guys have anything else you want to add before we sign off? Uh, I just wanted to thank you so
1: much for hosting us. This has been an excellent uh, discussion and we can't wait to talk with you again in the future.
2: I totally second. Um, I feel morally responsible to also plug in our social media at this point. If you've made it this far, might as well follow. Um, Follow our Youth Leadership Council on Instagram. And if you want to join, just reach out. We're always looking for other youth advocates to join the movement and i'm grateful for this because i would not have met these two lovely ladies who have taught me so much about the movement so you know you're welcome for the plugin
0: i like it. Le- little
2: like and subscribe uh-huh <laughs> oh yeah for sure
0: thank you to all of our viewers for joining us today i hope you guys enjoyed the discussion that we held and I cannot wait for you guys to check out our next episode. It's coming up pretty soon. And yeah, see you guys next time.